We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Winning your office's fantasy football league earns you more than just bragging what rights. Your winnings can add up to even more rewards with a savings plus account from Emprise. Save faster than ever before with Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, our partner in Possible. And I can't believe it's possible. Maddie Lane, fresh off of missing the KCSN live postgame show, is here with us today. From Carolina. Maddie Lane, what's good? Listen, sacrifices have to be made, guys. Um, the last two times I've been in Kansas City, when the Chiefs have played a football game, they have lost. I have to watch the game with you, saying that's a direct correlation. But I'm just saying, when I've watched the last <laughs> two games with you, the Chiefs have lost. Uh, I have also been on the post game both of those times. So this time, you know what? I said, screw it. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done doing post games. Chiefs are going to win as long as I'm not doing live post games anymore. Uh, I'm kidding. I was traveling for that one, so that is why I missed it. But uh, the Chiefs did win while I was in Kansas City, so the the curse is now broken. I can now come back to Kansas City whenever I feel like and not be lynched in the uh, airport. Yeah, that'll be good because I like seeing Maddie's face and him having to avoid us all football season kind of sucks. But yeah, I mean, uh, also if the Chiefs just want to play the Raiders every week, that would be good too because, whoo. Rewatch the game again, and my goodness, did this team put a whooping on the Raiders just in every facet. It was just it's glorious to see. I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was the most delicious. Oh, Maddie, you got something. You, you, you're ready to go. I was. Ooh, I just wanted to ask because I, I wasn't here for the post game. I was in a, on a flight. I don't know how much you guys talked about it. How did you guys personally feel about this meeting on the logo at the 50-yard line? I don't know if you guys even got into this. What was everybody's oh, yeah. thoughts on uh, it was fun to run our mouths for 42 minutes on the KCSN postgame show and just, you know, kind of get our jokes off. BJ was going in even like that. Mm-hmm. Need, that tells you all you need to know. And uh, the funny it, part is the Chiefs players largely didn't know about it. Like they <laughs> didn't know about it. That was all a reaction to like the the school bus driving around after the yeah it's so funny that i put the raiders in such a low category that i'm like yeah they get on a school bus after a football game (laughs) i didn't even i didn't even notice oh the wheels on the bus bit was great it was just the the logo thing got a lot of play and like the whole time i just didn't get it i 
I'm not there. I'm not them. So I don't know how they feel, but I don't feel like it's as big of a deal as a lot of people were making it out to be. And like, if you look at it from the Raiders side, like they needed a Hail Mary to win this game from the get go. And they knew it. Like the whole point was they know they're done. They knew their season was the toaster. They were just trying to drum up some kind of interest on their own team. So they decided to do this very corny move. And if it works, it's like a turning point of the season. If it doesn't, I mean, the Chiefs players might care the next time you play them, but so what? They're going to try hard anytime you guys play. So, like, I thought it was you – know, there was no reason to be upset by it. I just didn't know if you guys had touched on that. I just know Chiefs Twitter was very upset. I just know that the Raiders tried to step up and tried to bully around and make a big gesture, and they literally fumbled the game away on the first <laughs> snap. I know. Just that's saying. what was so funny to me. It's like – they go out of their way. They try to. They try to like get themselves motivated. They try to. I don't know if they're poking the bear because if no one saw it, did the bear actually get poked? Like that's the funny part too. Is they do all this stuff. It's like, you know, it's like it's like talking smack with a guy holding you back kind of thing, right? Yeah. But they mm-hmm. just go in and the first play of the game, they just they fumble it away. And uh, I mean, and, and that was really like the tone was just was set it. for the game, <laughs> like. There's a million ways that we can slice this. We're going to talk about both sides of the football uh, because there's a lot to take away, I think, from both of them. Like some of it's just re- continuing to reinforce the massive sample size of our defense. We'll get there in a minute. I think we got to start with the offense, Craig. I'm sorry. You can just, you can just, you can just relax. I don't, Listen, like, we, we don't know when we're going to get back to the offense again. It's fine. We'll, we'll talk about the better side of the football a little bit later here. The defense is just an inevitability. But yes. we'll talk about the offense. Uh, and before we really get into the offense, there is some news before we jump into the offense. The guy, one of the guys that caught a touchdown, his first touchdown in Kansas City on Sunday, uh, a guy that they signed midseason, Josh Gordon, has been placed on the COVID list. He has tested positive. Very unlikely that he will be playing uh, in the game on Thursday as it as it sits currently. So that's a big factor there. Um, offensively for the Chargers, too, another big move. Uh, Rayshon Slater is on the COVID list, the starting left tackle for the Chargers, a very good football player uh, and a crucial player uh, on their offense. Thoughts on those two uh, COVID list additions, Matthew? So starting with the Chiefs, I, it's not fun. It stinks that Josh Gordon you know, kind of has a game where the Chiefs go out of their way to get him involved a little bit more, and he gets the touchdown. It was a cheap little touchdown that anybody was going to score on that route, but it was still nice to see the Chiefs utilize him they had him run a couple speed outs because they weren't really finding a lot of other ways to get him involved they get him involved it's working a little bit and unfortunately he then comes out and tests positives like you feel bad for him from that aspect but I don't know if it'll have that big of an impact on the Chiefs I feel like they can for what he's done for them they can pretty easily one-to-one replace him with just putting Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle out there just there more than they have been to replace his role. I think the much bigger issue is Rashawn Slater, who's been one of the better left tackles in the NFL this year, already landing on the COVID list. And even beyond him, I mean, you look at the injury report or the Chargers list coming out, and like a lot of it's, you know, it's predictions and stuff like that at this point in time, but they have a lot of guys not participating in practice today. Now, normally when the game's six days away, I don't. I wouldn't care about a Monday, but this game's not six days away, so you know it's paying. It's worth paying attention to. They're a little beat up, and then they have a starting left tackle landing on the COVID list, testing positive. So he has got to get two false tests, two negative tests, with 24 hours apart by Thursday if he's going to play in this game, which seems unlikely, not impossible, but unlikely. Yeah, it's it's rough, and you know both those guys. Obviously, we hope. 
their well, you know, that's first and foremost, but then we hope that, you know, it's been contained. You know, we, I think everybody's mind flashed to Josh Gordon and Patrick Mahomes hugging after that touchdown immediately after that. It's like, you want, you want to make sure that everybody gets taken care of and that everybody's okay. So I, I, that's first and foremost, hope everybody's healthy, but man, yeah, I, I think if if that's a, a trade that the Chiefs are making, the Chiefs came out on the better side here. Rayshon Slater was about the only guy on that offensive line that was playing well. The rest of those guys are struggling. We will get to that on Wednesday. We'll break down this Chargers game a lot more seriously, but that is big news going into this week, especially going up against a Chiefs defensive line that has been just – Awesome, no, and I have no, to no, stop, stop talking stop, stop. about. We're them. doing offense. I have to stop. Have stop. To stop. <laughs> just, just chill, Craig. Like I want seriously, to. they're so oh. good. Yeah, they're inevitable. That's what they are. Look, we've established that they're just the they're the two thousand Ravens, but more or something. Oh, yeah. oh my! Um, I didn't yeah, we I mean, realize we were going there. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's as good as it it's ever going to be. Um, offensively though. There's, you know, I, I just overall thoughts, Maddie. Like, we really haven't got to hear your takes yet. We haven't, you know, you were traveling back yesterday. So, first opportunity, you weren't on the live show yesterday, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, overall thoughts on the offense. Uh, can they keep playing the Raiders over and over <laughs> again? Or can we get Gus Bradley to just like whatever he has to do to get just Gus Bradley hopping from opponent to opponent so the Chiefs can keep playing his defenses right now is, well, I do think the Raiders made some adjustments. They clearly didn't make enough to actually accomplish much of anything, and they still made it pretty easy for the Chiefs. I think it was good to see some other guys kind of get involved this week. So the run game wasn't super effective, but it was enough that it kind of, you know, it mattered. It made an impact. You continued to get some passes out to Darrell Williams, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, McCole Hardman getting back in the fray this week. I mean, it was essentially only really one play and then another like end around kind of thing, but it was still nice to see him on a double move to get vertical. It's like the Chiefs did a lot and it was nice to see it be kind of a little bit more of a team effort and not them relying, relying solely on Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey because I think that's where they got into a little bit of trouble early this year is that's the only thing that was working. So getting everybody involved was good. It was a good performance. I don't know if it was necessarily dominant. I don't know if I felt like this Chiefs offense, they didn't feel like it was all the way back. It felt like a defense that was completely overmatched physically and mentally from on every aspect rather than, and I mean, that doesn't, that sounds great. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It just didn't feel like the Chiefs offense was particularly back. It just felt like the Raiders were mostly unable to do anything right. I mean, from that perspective, as I kind of said yesterday, that the execution is what I'm hanging my hat on there. No drops, uh, utilizing those running backs, both on the ground and in the passing game as kind of that third weapon, getting, like Maddie said, those those sort of auxiliary weapons, Byron Pringle, Cole Hardman, getting those guys into the game a little bit more. That just opens everything up for everybody else. We've seen how easy it is for defenses to try to take away Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I say, how easy it is because the Chiefs do sl you know, kind of slog through some of their offensive stuff. They're still effective. Don't get me wrong, but they're still kind of slowly moving through it by adding those other ancillary pieces. Now, all of a sudden, 
the defense's heads are spinning. You just see a lot of confusion, a lot more open stuff, and a lot more uh, opportunity for explosive play, something that the Chiefs haven't done particularly well this season. So from that from that perspective, it was really good to see all those extra guys get their hands on the ball and make such an impact in the game this week. Yeah, and they did some stuff out of structure. Like They were able to generate some <clears throat> explosiveness out of structure, which is, I mean, that's back-to-back weeks that they – you know, some of their more explosive plays have come off creation from Mahomes, and that hasn't really been happening at a great level of consistency recently. So, like, that's another piece of this where I'm like, okay, you know, like, there's some there's some things that are, you know, maybe the Chiefs are snapping out a little bit. And Maddie, I know you had some things that you were, you know, kind of made you semi optimistic, uh, is kind of the phrasing you said that you kind of wanted to bring up. So, um, just give us one. Let's let's what's the first one. Yeah, I, I want to preface this with, we talked about this last, before this game. Like, would this game change our outlook on the defense if they were essentially repeated their performance from the time before they played the Raiders? I think we all kind of said, no, it wouldn't really change our opinion because we've seen it before. Raiders will likely do the same thing. So I want to start with that. Like, I don't, I'm not getting overly excited about bopping the Raiders yet again because I expected it. That said, I think there are three things that if the Chiefs can build on these, I do feel better. And so there's a tiny glimpse of optimism coming in from underneath that shut door right now. The first is the Chiefs were not overly relying on RPOs. They were calling quick passing plays and they were calling running plays. They weren't trying to combine them into the same play over and over again. And I think you actually saw some of that. I don't want to dive too deep into the Patrick Mahomes mechanics debate that is apparently going on right now in the social media world, but he seemed to be a little bit more accurate this week when he was getting the ball out quick and it wasn't always coming off of the RPOs, but rather a dedicated pass. Some of the runs seemed to go a little bit better as the offensive line was getting uphill directly. It's so like, that's what I noticed first and foremost, less RPOs. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, Kent, you break down the first 15 every week. Like, did it felt different to me obviously outside that first drive let's let's throw that one away but outside of that it did kind of feel different all game long to me i think there was um early on i think they had a few <coughs> excuse me a few more rpos um i think as the game went on they kind of abandoned that a little bit more um and the run game early wasn't really particularly great with the rpo game the first i mean one of the i think one of the first one i have it here i was charting it the the first run was abysmal <laughs> and then they turn around and hand the ball off again and then it's it's third and seven and they try to throw it to travis kelsey and travis kelsey doesn't do anything with it as the game I went just, on, they, before you get going i just want to i i hope that when you're charting you just write the word abysmal next to that run. i, I use i tend to, to lean on that word a lot here uh i like that you had to reference your charting to look I did. down it looks like Yep, yep, it was abysmal. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and then horrific, right? Immediately uh, following it, um, followed by uh, why didn't they call pass interference on Travis Kelsey? Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean they, but they did, and they tried to run the ball three of the four times that I, I charted them running RPOs in the first three series. They were very quick series because the offense was still running, and they were they were they were slinging the ball across the yard very early in the game. They definitely did lean more on traditional run calls as the game went on. Um, but they were, they were kind of, they were mostly pass heavy anyway, early script. Uh, they were slinging it across the yard. I had it. I think I had it, you know, uh, 10, 11 passes, four runs on the, on 15 plays that I charted um, one, pa one, one PI. So it could have actually been an extra, extra pass, but three of the, three of the four RPOs were runs and they didn't go great. 
<laughs> and the, the Chiefs are always gonna run RPOs. I'm not saying they got to go away entirely. It's just the Chiefs they, feel like they got overly reliant on them for a while. And the issue is, I think you saw it on the completion to Tyree Kill down the sideline. Oh, and they tried to do the, uh, I think it was Noah Gray came behind the line of scrimmage and it was that RPO where they read the defensive end as Patrick Mahomes rolls out. He pump fakes to Gray, then throws it to Hill. You get an illegal lineman downfield. That's just a limitation of some of these RPOs. You can well, only and, attack a specific, oh, go ahead, Kent. Well, they got two of those. I think they had two yeah. of those illegal men downfield because they tried to run a little, there was like, it was more of like a, it was like a, it was a give to McColl shovel option play. And Joe Tooney was pulling around and was down the field before because they didn't like the they didn't like the the underneath option. They just threw it to McColl in the flat again too. Yeah, and so that's just some of the limitations of always having the RPO is the ball's kind of got to come out at one or two, and sometimes you are not going to have your feet entirely set. Things are just going to be weird, and you have to force it. So I think the Chiefs got overly reliant on that. So it was nice to see them abandon that as the game went on. Number two, the offensive tackles got worked. Over mm. and over again, these offensive tackles got worked, but it didn't matter as much. This was not. This was probably one of the worst offensive line performances the Chiefs had put out in totality in a couple weeks now, and it was mostly because even a third-string right tackle was going up against Max Crosby. Orlando Brown didn't have his best day against Yannick Ngakwe, but the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes still found a way to have success. He was escaping the pocket, making plays on the run. The ball was getting out quick other times. Like I just, I felt good that things weren't going perfectly on offense, and they still found a way to score 41 points. Yeah, they didn't get destroyed because of a pass rush. That's, that's. I mean, we've seen too many games in very recent history where the pass rush has just absolutely ruined any offensive game plan for the Chiefs. Yeah, they, those guys weren't great. It's a bad matchup for both of those guys, frankly. I mean, Max Crosby just has ton of power. Yannick Ngakwe has a ton of speed. Like Those are just bad matchups for the Chiefs' offensive tackles, and it happened to show this week. But, like Matty said, didn't ruin the game plan. So that's that's great. That gives you hope, you know, that it's going to be better going forward. Mahomes looked really good on the move. Really good on the move. Yeah. Was able to shake his way out of stuff, still keeping his eyes downfield, still finding guys open. Uh, vintage. Vintage Mahomes there. This is going to sound weird, but I 100% agree with everything you just said. This wasn't a great performance for the offensive line, but conversely, this might have been the most comfortable Patrick Mahomes has looked with that offensive line, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, it, 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 he, was, he, was, he, he was escaping with good timing. He had a good feel for his escape routes. Um, you know, he kind of knew when to just kind of you know, protect the football and, and hold on. And there was just like, it kind of felt like he had a better feel um, and more comfortability with the guys in front of him, even though it was a lesser performance. Mahomes using his legs a lot more, like Craig said, I thought. I thought he kind of, he kind of feels like he's starting to use his legs a little bit more as the <laughs> season's gone on. Maybe there was some intentionality to try to stay within the pocket early. Like we kind of talked, forcing himself to try to stay in there and hang in there a little bit more, which I think is undoubtedly true if you watch some of the, some of the you know times that he's you know maybe hanging in a lot longer than we would have anticipated. He's not really thrown particularly comfortably. I think he largely just did a really good job navigating using his legs with great timing because he extended some drives, he extended some plays for sure. And that's this is two straight weeks we're kind of starting to see him doing. And coming out of the bye, it feels like he's starting to you know use his legs a little bit more. And I think that's something to be you know kind of be mindful of too. No, absolutely. And I just say, I agree he's getting more comfortable. And I think this game kind of 
is giving you a little bit of an insight back to what a typical good pocket game is out of Patrick Mahomes. Like he's navigating yeah. it better than he did early in his year, but he's escaping a lot because that's what he should do. That's where they make a lot of big plays and whatever was stopping them from doing that for that large stretch where they tried to turn him into Peyton Manning or Tom Brady inside the pocket. Like I'm glad that they're abandoning that or he's deciding to abandon that because that just clearly wasn't working. But the last one, and this is the most important one to me, the Chiefs threw the ball downfield. They threw the ball beyond 10 yards. In fact, they threw it 20 yards or more on four occasions. And guess what? That was four completions and a defensive pass interference on those plays. That's four positive plays. Sorry, three completions and a pass interference. That's four positive plays throwing it deep. They weren't getting as many one-on-one looks this week as I thought they got last week versus Denver. But when they got them, they were taking advantage of them. Everyone's going to remember the double move by McCole Hardman that got the big play down the left side. If Ngakwe doesn't flatten Orlando Brown, that's probably a touchdown because it's thrown in stride to McCole Hardman. You have the crazy throw across his body to Tyree Kill while he's moving left. You have the, what is it, quarter post stop route that was right at 20 yards that he threw to Tyree Kill. Like they had a lot of success, not a lot, but they had more success throwing vertically. And I think just the threat of that is going to be big going the forward because the Chiefs had lost that. I mean, when was the last time we saw him throw this many passes deep? It's been a while. And attacking that single high structure, that's that's what you've got to do. You've got to force those corners <laughs> to, to be fearful of your deep threats. And the Chiefs hadn't done enough of that. I mean, we talk all the time about how you've got Tyree Kill, you've got McCall Hardman, and you've got Patrick Mahomes. There should be zero reason why a defense doesn't respect your vertical threat. And what we saw against Denver is they didn't really respect the vertical threat in the same way that we've seen some other teams this year. So being able to do that and put that on tape again, just remind the league, remind your upcoming opponents, hey, we're not just going to take everything underneath because you're giving us a too high structure, you know, with maybe some late rotations and stuff like that. We're still looking for that deep shot. We're still looking for that explosive play and we're still able to hit it. There's been too many times where they have looked for it and it's just been completely off. And then it got to the point where they weren't looking for it. And then defenses were sitting on things. So it's very, very good. That's stuff you got to put on tape. Even though, even though every defense in the world knows the Chiefs are capable of it, when you're not executing it as much, you get defensive coordinators that start playing towards tendencies and stop really, you know, respecting it as much. This is great. This was the perfect game for the Chiefs in a lot of different ways. One of them because they got to rest their starters because they absolutely bopped, embarrassed, and annihilated the Los L-O-S-S, Las Vegas Raiders um, in embarrassing fashion. They should be ashamed of themselves. They should be relegated. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, getting to rest was great. But this was a good week, and I, I think to one of your points here, and, and I think you kind of brought up here too, tendencies. The Chiefs threw a lot of, you know, they threw a lot for for the Raiders to worry about here. Um, they threw a lot of things at the, you know, at or for the for the Chargers to worry about. Sorry. So they get right before the Chargers four day turnaround. Um, they kind of showed some stuff. They showed some tendency breakers on the on the offensive side of the football, and that's a really positive sign um, that they were able to connect down the field because you honor what you know. They, some teams will, you know, if if you're not connecting, which the Chiefs haven't connected on a lot of plays, they've you know, Mahomes has tried to force some stuff down the field. But proving that they they can still do it and do it at, at, at the kind of clip that they did was really impressive. I think, by the way, I think that throw to Tyree Kill across the field was the best throw of the, of the season. And I know the Washington throw, you know, scrambling. 
I think throwing opposite direction um, across the field, moving five miles an hour the opposite direction. With wind. Mercy. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I think it was a, I think it was a phenomenal throw. I, I am quite kind of upset, and I guess it's fitting to talk about it this week. I, I am mildly upset that the Chiefs, we as fans, get Patrick Mahomes. We have the, like, this best thrower of the football, a guy that makes the most asinine throws you can possibly imagine. And it gets the hype of that gets cut short to only three years because Justin Herbert rolls around and makes equally good throws. Have you yeah. guys seen the chart of that 65-yard touchdown? I it have. goes off the page. It's it's, they can't even put it on the NFL next-gen stat page. Like, it's just the Chiefs are about to play them, so that's why it matters. But like, it's disappointing. It's like it stinks that all of a sudden all these throws that Mahomes makes, that's not even the best throw of the weekend according to mainstream media. Like That's not what everyone's covering. Everyone's covering the Herbert throw, which is great. I mean, he he's moving. He barely sets himself up and launches the ball 65 yards. Like That's worthy of being all over your TV. But this throw by Mahomes is completely overshadowed by that, and that stinks. That stinks. You, you know what? That's That's fine. You still have the best quarterback in the league. There's nothing that listen, they could sit there and try and overshadow him all they want. We got the best one in the league. And Kansas City, you got the best liquor store in the world coming to you summer of 2022. And that's in Macadoodles, our good pals, our good sponsor. These guys have the best selection, the best prices, and top notch customer service they're going to take care of everything that you could possibly need for your chief's tailgates next year they are opening in the summer of 2022 so that means when you are going to arrowhead next year you're going to stop at a mcadoodles you're going to have them recommend everything that you could ever want based on what you have because they are great at that you're gonna take that out to arrowhead you're gonna have yourself a good time the chiefs are gonna win it's gonna be a perfect day for you and it's going to be brought to you by mcadoodles so if you are a franchisee and if you want to get another one closer to arrowhead maybe so you can really take a good benefit off of this get a hold of roger info at mcadoodles.com and get one up there make some money take some advantage of the chiefs fans that are going to be going out there to arrowhead and really need some booze to get going all right. Well, I think it's time to talk about the defensive side of the football. Um, or, or is there is there anything else that you want to talk offensively, Matt? Are you good? I should probably I'll give the floor to you real quick. Just give you a chance to get those sweet, sweet takes. On. I think that about covers it. I, I, I will say the two slightly disappointing things I guess I had. The run game wasn't super effective outside of Derek Gore's no. kind of run there at the end of the game. The run game really wasn't working, and that kind of caught me off guard. The Raiders haven't been a great run defense this year. I don't think they were selling out to stop the run. So I was a little disappointed to see that the run game wasn't working a little bit better. And besides that, the Chiefs need to find a way to get Travis Kelsey going again. I know a lot of teams are trying to take him away. They're getting a lot of attention his way. But these games where he's having 20 yards, that's just not going to work for the way this team's going to have to win. I get it. The teams are paying a lot of attention to him. The Chiefs are going to have to figure out more ways to scheme him open and quit just him saying, hey, go run an option route and beat two guys at once because it's just not working at a consistent enough level right now that it's going to continue throughout the entire playoffs. Like that's my only causes for concern or things that I was a little surprised by, especially because 
He's a notorious Raiders killer. I mean, he dominates the Raiders, and they completely erased him essentially from this game. Now, now is he a Gus Bradley killer though? Like, I think I feel like that's the one thing that Gus Bradley does well is take away Travis Kelsey. Yeah, but I mean. Let's wait until Thursday. He loaded up against the Chargers the first time that they played. So maybe that's the get-right game. Well, uh, this was a get-right game for the Chiefs mm-hmm. on defense. Well, they've been mm-hmm. right for months. <laughs> uh, and <It's> Super right. <laughs> the super 2085 right. Chicago Ravens. That's yeah. what I like to call this defense. <laughs> what? So, Craig, how about that defense? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> I let's start with uh, with the the group that impacted the game the absolute most, and that's the defensive line. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks now, but since they added Melvin Ingram, Jaron Reed's been playing better. You got Chris Jones inside, Frank Clark. You've got offenses that are having to focus all of their assets on trying to stop Frank Clark and Chris Jones. We got to see so many double teams on Chris Jones this week. We got to see some triple teams on Frank Clark this week. And how did the rest of the defense respond? By rushing the passer well and creating things off of those guys. The Raiders had to readjust. And then all of a sudden, Frank Clark and Chris Jones go off. It is, it's a fine line for every team in the league to have to defend this Chiefs defensive line. Frank Clark had a 32% pressure rate this week. 32. One in three pass Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. One in three pass rushes that Frank Clark had, he affected Derek Carr. Chris Jones was at 20%. Alex Okafor was at 20%. You had Turk Wharton in the high teens. Like, these guys were ruining the Raiders' offensive line. And it's not a good offensive line, but they were decimating it. Derek Carr was unable to do anything. And the Chiefs are now to the point where blitz-happy Steve Spagnuolo doesn't have to be as blitz-happy anymore. I mean, he blitzed while the starters were in. First three quarters of the game, he blitzed 19% of the time. That is very low for Spagnuolo. And guess what? They still got pressure on 41% of Derek Carr's dropbacks in that time. So, They were ruining him with a four-man rush, just like they have been with every team that they've seen lately. They are the thing that we expected them to be on steroids. So it's fun to watch. It's ridiculous to watch. They're just ruining every offense that they come up against. I expect that it's going to continue, especially this Thursday against a very beat-up offensive line. It's just so good to know that on the defensive side of the ball, All those assets, all that focus, and what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do is just all paying off in the biggest way possible. Hey, and a a reminder here that that Craig's very stingy with his pressure percentages, by the way. Um, So, I mean, yeah, getting 41% of the pressure uh, is, is insane. This is what this is what it's supposed to look like when you have the most money invested in uh, in the defensive line on your team. Like this is what it's supposed to look like when you invest these kind of assets. And it did not look like this beginning of the year. They're healthier. Uh, I believe James Palmer said it on the KCSN uh, post game show live from Arrowhead. If you, by the way, if you have not watched the KCSN post game show, go back and watch it. 
Uh, specifically, go back and watch the James Palmer segment. James Palmer That's joined great. us literally from Arrowhead Stadium's field. He was yelling at a Dak Prescott jersey in the stands. He asked the the asked the um, the security guards if they heard the wheels on the bus. Hashtag sources. And he gave some he gave some nuggets. I don't think I've seen him give out yet mm-hmm. either. Chris Jones' wrist, for instance, was a little bit worse than people uh, were playing on um uh initially and so that might have affected his play a little bit so mm-hmm. sorry just wanted to jump in and mention that make sure you go back and watch it because it seriously it's it's like 10 minutes of my, it's 15 minutes of my favorite kcsn content ever it's just great uh it's it's a lot of fun uh anyways maddie anything on the defensive line uh not even the defensive line necessarily which it was great i would say i wanted to shout out frank clark colt miller's become one of the better left tackles in the nfl and Frank Clark was putting him through it. And he was hitting him with spin moves that were practically knocking him over. He was running around him. He was putting him on skates. This was this game was arguably very similar to the Seahawks game the year before the Chiefs traded for Frank Clark, in which everybody, I think, that wanted to go watch him, watched that Raiders game, watched what he did to Colton Miller, who, was, who wasn't great then but was improving, and he just abused him. This was very similar to that. He beat him in every which way, so that was nice to see. But I want to focus just on the pass rush as a whole. This week, as Craig mentioned, it was a lot of the four-man rush was doing a ton of the work. Just that right after taking the Broncos offensive line with one of the best offensive line coaches and Mike Munchak and the blitz calls, the pressures they were bringing were destroying the Broncos protection calls. Like beating Mike Munchak's offensive line protection calls with blitzes isn't easy to do. The Chiefs did that last week. This week, they just came out, and they still blitz plenty, don't get me wrong, but the four-man pass rush was absolutely dominating this Raiders defense. It's just, it's nice to see them winning from both directions now. I mean, this Raiders offensive line isn't good, but even the better guys were getting beat left and right. Like, that's what matters. This is the sixth week in a row they've been great. So, like, I feel really good about this pass rush right now. Yeah, and you should. Uh, I mean, they, they've been elite. And you talk about how badly Frank Clark beat Colton Miller. Chris Jones and Turk Wharton might have beat Alex Leatherwood worse. Like Alex <laughs> Leatherwood. Yeah, but he's bad. But he's worked. bad. Yeah, he's he bad. is. But my goodness, he got worked by Chris Jones and Turk Wharton. I, it's just good that the Chiefs can get that far into their defensive line depth. Again, once again, they were playing a lot of guys that are their bat, quote unquote backups. These guys rotate plenty. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to call, don't want to try and demean them, but the guys that are the secondary options after the after the Frank Clarks and the Chris Joneses, those guys were getting on the field and it was still getting home. Like that's the best part. You were still having Mike Dana working stunts and getting free shots. You were still having blitzers come free. You know, it, you had uh, Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen hitting him. You know, it, it's just, it's so good to see a good pass rush. And it's even better to see it when it's happening to Derek Carr. It's one of my favorite things in the world to watch that man running for his life. So it, that sets the tone for everything and it helps make up for the fact you know a secondary that's having to get really deep into their depth you know the jerry sneed obviously unable to play against the raiders and you know obviously our thoughts with him still and his loved ones but mike hughes steps in tyron matthew kicks down at the slot and dan Sorensen ends up playing almost 100% of the snaps with the starters. Did not play in the base. That was still, you know, Juan Thornhill and uh, Tyron Matthew. But Tyron did kick down into the slot. 
Mike Hughes got a ton of reps for this team, and he looked good. This was the game that we needed to see from Mike Hughes because I think everybody remembers early on in the season, confusion between him and other guys, a little bit of blown coverages, getting mossed on a bunch of plays against the Chargers in that week three matchup. Like That's what sticks out in everybody's mind. This game was phenomenal. The stuff that he gave up was all underneath and easy stuff and stuff that you're going to give up, you know, every every single week when you're up 35 points. So, that's fine. Mike Hughes stepping up in a big way is awesome and he's able to do that and play aggressive the way that he was because that pass rush up front too. It's been interesting to see kind of just his how his season's corrected itself as it's gone on like i don't want to get too far out ahead of ourselves and say mike hughes is playing like a first round draft pick because of this one game or even just his last two but what you saw against the raiders and even you know in spurts versus the broncos i think was good enough that you feel you're happy that the chiefs have him on the team right now you're okay with him getting reps with and or over fit and while fitton's working back to be 100 healthy like you're no longer punching air that DeAndre Baker's not getting all the reps because Mike Hughes has been playing better. It seemed like he struggled to hit the ground with his feet running like the entire Chiefs defense did, really. like Hard to blame one guy that's new to the system, but he seems to be playing a lot better. He's been more confident in his coverage, a little less grabby, and he's out there peanut punching like Roy Jones Jr. in his prime. Like My man's just running around literally just trying to punch. I mean, he literally just punching the ball. He's not even going for tackles. He's yeah. just punching the ball. I think everyone did. Tyron Matthew tried on uh, Foster Moreau on the sideline one time, and he didn't actually get it. But he just kind of, as he saw he was going out of bounds, just jumped to the side and tried to punch the ball out. Like, that's all they were doing out there. So, yeah, big hat tip to Mike Hughes, uh, because I thought that was one of his better games probably of his career, like in coverage as well as forcing the turnovers. I think it's funny that the Chiefs had an interception, but it probably would have got ruled a fumble if it wasn't caught on the caught in the air. <laughs> They had four forced fumbles. It was very easily going to be a fifth one, I think, if if the ball doesn't get caught. Yeah, it seemed like it was there was just some intentionality to try to get the ball out, you know, of that Raiders team, and and everybody, and all levels of the defense, I think, got their hands on one of them, if I remember correct. Did the linebacker get? Did the linebacker punch one out? Uh, I don't. No, I don't think so. so. Okay, no, I don't mind. think so. Well, Listen, then the linebackers for the yeah. Chiefs didn't have to do a whole lot this week and that's not saying they were bad they were they were fine to good like they they were i didn't have a problem with the linebackers just when the defensive line's playing like that and then you have the secondary playing like dan Sorensen playing out of his mind this week holy was cow great. he was great so i mean yeah a lot of linebackers didn't have to do much of anything i don't know what i'm going to talk about with dj on wednesday <laughs> oh you should talk more about willie gay because he was he had a couple of plays where he took on a blocker and beat the blocker and still was in on a play right at the line of scrimmage like he yeah. willie gay is playing exceptionally well right now i still think there's some dog chasing cars aspects to his game right now to where he's just seeing it going but the stuff that he sees well he is playing really good he's getting better and better in coverage at reading stuff i didn't want to note this and craig you know he charts stuff so he can correct me if i'm wrong but I'm pretty sure on the Raiders' third drive on the third and three, the Chiefs stopped them after going three and out. They came out in a big nickel on third and three with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay on the fields. Oh, yeah. Spagnola came out in the presser, said he wanted to get Nick Bolton some more snaps. And we kind of chalked it up to coach talk and stuff like that. This was very much a game at that time. You know, the Raiders had picked up a first down, two first downs, I think, after the Chiefs went three and out. It's only seven nothing. And here the Chiefs come out in nickel with Bolton and Willie Gay on the field together. They purposely put them out there. Like that was what they subbed to. So I just thought that was worth noting because I saw that in live. I don't know. It's hard to pay attention to snap counts from this game 
as a totality because it was a blowout and guys were just being cycled in. Yeah. But at that point in time, I just thought it was you know noteworthy that they got the two young guys out there together after Spagnuolo said that. Yeah, well, they've been it, using that. Yeah, go ahead, Ken. I would say Anthony Hitchens, 35% of the snaps, I think they got him out relatively quick. Uh, and they kind of let Nick, Nick Bolton get some work in at, at the end of that game. So, you know, I mean, these are valuable reps for him. You know, he's mm -hmm. kind of the third man in the pecking order when it comes to the linebacker rotation. He actually was second in snaps with 44% getting a few more snaps later in the game. So there you go. Sorry. Yeah, no, he the, the Chiefs were in their or their dime defense for 50% of the game. Like they, they were. It, it's awesome when a game script goes that way for you because that means that you're winning big. Um Chiefs have used that Nick Bolton and Willie Gay combo a little bit. I I call it their speed nickel uh, because uh, they typically put on another defensive lineman that's quicker. Like they'll take off uh, a Derek Noddy and maybe replace him with a Turk Wharton. Or sometimes they leave in their typical dime guys with, you know, if they're still rotating out there with Melvin Ingram, Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark. But if they've got one of their bigger guys in there, if they got Derek Naughty in the middle or they've got a Mike Dane on the outside, they'll typically sub in a one of their speed rushers or the guys that we typically associate with them as their speed rushers, not relative to the league, but relative to their group. So that's typically when those bring when they bring those in. That's like a second and long typically or a third and long, typically, it's not usually a third and short like it was in this one. So that's good to see that they're trusting those guys. They're trusting, obviously, they trust Nick Bolton to be the Mike. He was that earlier this season and did so fairly well. So it's good to see them get in those short yardage situations and trust that those guys are going to come out there and handle business. That play was a sack by Turk Wharton and uh, Frank Clark. They, they both did an excellent job on that play. Four-man rush, it was great. But uh, yeah, no, they, we've been seeing a little bit more of that, but it seemed like a concerted effort. And then obviously Nick Bolton getting dime reps at the end of the game. That's good too. Get him some on-field reps, have him you know, work on his own spacing and everything like that. Do we have time for one concerning thing about the defense? If you had to no, pick one sure. concerning thing, we do. This was not Charvarius's Ward best game in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, it, he's been coming off of some of, one of his best stretches of his career. I do want to say that. But this game wasn't his best game. Now, some of that's the matchup with Hunter Renfro is a nightmare matchup for him. And that's just the one thing mm -hmm. that he does not handle particularly well. But the, my this only concern is we're about ready. The Chiefs are about ready to go up against an offense that has, in the past, they have made a habit out of attacking Charvarius Ward vertically in one-on-one -on -one coverage. They will challenge him with their receivers. It's something they've had success doing in the past. I'm not saying they're going to. It's just... It's not the best thing to see him coming off of, you know, one of his worst performances, which really wasn't that bad of the year going into a Chargers game in which that offense has attacked him historically. I will say this. Charverius Ward did have in this big span where the defense is playing well, he did have a little bit of a dip in one of the games and rebounded with probably his best game of the year. So it, we have seen a couple of instances where it's been below – he. He's setting a high bar for himself, and I mean that in a big, big way. He's setting a high yes. bar for himself, so he's dipped just a little bit below that bar, and he's rebounded by playing really, really well. I'm sure he's going to be just absolutely ready for a matchup that he didn't get to take part in last time. You know, these bigger receivers, he wants to show he's he's been up for these guys that get all these accolades, that get all this hype. These are the kind of weapons that he shows up against this year. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to get ready to start turning the page 
and yeah. start looking towards that Chargers game. I This next upcoming preview is going to be a lot of fun. I think we're all pretty juiced about that. But we got to close this thing out. We got to turn the page on this abomination, embarrassment of a franchise, the Las Vegas Raiders. Bye. But we got to hand some stuff out first. And I'm helmet stickers. I am going to hand a helmet sticker out to Josh Gordon for his first Chiefs touchdown. It is a shame that you do not get to participate in the biggest game of the Chiefs season, Josh. But don't worry, your boys got you. They're going to take care of business. Sorry, I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm hyped about the Chargers game. I'm going to shut up now. I'm just going to I'm stay out now. Well, ready. We're we're giving a healthy butt slap to the uh, PA guy that put wheels on the bus on as the Raiders <laughs> were leaving the field. Uh, it might even be a two hander at this point in time. That's that's where the butt slaps are going this week. I have uh, so many questions about that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope not allowed. Nope. Just, we gotta just let here. your brain go to where exactly where it's going, and that's exactly what Maddie went. My whole ass bottle of vodka, sponsored by Hol- Holiday Vodka over here, um, going to Alex Okafor. Uh, Alex mm. Okafor has really come on the last two weeks, and my goodness, he put the biggest hit of the day on Derek Carr. Derek Carr not realizing that Alex Okafor has stopped his rush, come back, forces a fumble, should have been a fumble six, a scoop and score on that play, but an awesome job by Alex Okafor. He's really coming on strong down the stretch, giving them an extra presence, an extra rotational guy that can rush the passer well, so that's awesome to see. All right, well, that is going to do it for the KC Laboratory live episode for Monday. We will be back live again on Wednesday night, getting you ready for the biggest game of the year for your Kansas I bet you thought I was going to interrupt you at some point in time, didn't you? (laughs) That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory live edition. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later.